Hello, hello. This is the Get Optimized podcast. My name is Chris and I am your host. Thanks for being here. And I tell you what, we've got a really cool episode. I think I always say that. I'm always like, yeah, we got the greatest episode ever. No, but seriously, we have a, a good episode today because it's something that I've been pumped about learning about, learning more about, I should say. Uh, I'm talking about PR, public relations. My experience in the marketing world has come from the digital marketing agency side of things. I'm like a tactician. I'm running ads. I'm creating website pages, all that kind of stuff. I'm like boots on the ground marketing execution stuff. I have not had a ton of experience in the PR world. So getting the chance to talk to somebody about public relations and ask questions for myself and for you, our listeners, was a very, very fun experience. And the person we have here for this is awesome. Um, We have Kevin York. Okay, and you might recognize his name because his agency is called Kevin York Communications, but he has a ton of experience working in the craft brewery industry. Their agency has worked with the likes of Bentwater Brewing Company, West Sixth Brewing Company, Idle Hands, Lone Pine. I mean, go look at their website, kevinyorkcoms.com, and you can see they've got a ton of brewery clients there. So clearly they know what they're doing when it comes to PR, especially in the craft beverage, craft brewery space. So what better person to ask questions like, what the heck do we even mean by PR? Is this something we can do on our own? Do we need to hire an agency? How does this work for a brewery? Is it valuable? All these questions are things that I I went over with Kevin. And that is why I'm excited for you to check out this episode. So I will get out of the way. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it with somebody you know that you think would get some value from it. But for now... We'll get you into the talk with Kevin. Thanks. See ya. All right, Kevin, welcome, man. Thank you for being here. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Uh, Yeah, me too, man. I've uh, been looking forward to our conversation because I, you know, I've brushed shoulders with, you know, PR throughout my career. I'm like a digital marketing guy went to school for marketing, but, you know, so you like, you know, you kind of deal with PR from a distance and it's, it's, it's related, but different and this kind of thing. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to an expert like yourself and, and pick your brain a little bit as it relates to craft beer too. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it definitely has some differences from digital marketing, but, but there's some similarities too. So yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into that. It's, it's what I actually spend a lot of my time doing talking about, especially with prospects, when they start talking with us about uh, the opportunity to do PR, kind of how it's different, how it's similar. Well, I mean, maybe that's a great place for us to get started. You're the expert on public relations. What do we even mean by public relations? Uh, What are like some tangible examples? Can you frame what we're even talking about? Yeah, yeah. So if if you use the uh, the academic definition, it'll talk all about two way dialogue with with different stakeholder audiences, uh, which which is true. But I find it's easier to sort of talk more about relationships and forming relationships with consumers or media or influencers or people who can really help you grow as a business and help you sell your products or services. So um, the, the way that we bucket it, there are a few different things that we do that fall under PR. 
Um, one of them, and the one that tends to get the most attention is media relations. So oftentimes people think synonymous, synonymously about media relations and PR. Truthfully, media relations is just one component of PR. It's just usually the one that gets the most attention because those those news headlines are the flashy thing that that you can show to people and, and get a lot of uh, attention for and, and builds credibility. Um, but it's just one component. Another one which has really grown over the last few years is influencer relations. Um, and when we talk about influencer relations in the beer industry, yes, we're talking about Instagram influencers, but more and more we're going beyond that. Um, there, there are diminishing returns to online influencers that we're starting to see. So it's looking beyond that and finding who really holds purchasing power over consumers. So distributors are one where we're starting to do a lot of programs that are specially focused on distributors. Um, accounts, both on-premise and off-premise are another one. Um, and then there are just community leaders. So people who may not really have much of an online platform uh, at all, but they're what we call super connectors, um, which is a, a term that we've kind of taken from the political world. But those people in your community who really know everyone um, and there's a good example in one of the communities we work on where their uh, director of economic development, which is not a, a political position, um, so it's not a, 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 an elected official, but he knows all the elected officials. He also knows the whole business community. He knows a lot of the nonprofit community. So a lot of groups and people that that our beer clients would want to have partnerships with or potentially do collaborations with, he knows a lot of them. So um, that that's another sort of tangible example of influencers that are not online, but they're they're actually offline. I'm kind of envisioning that envisioning this is like there's like these nodes out there, and nodes have little lines connected to other nodes, and kind of what the where PR and a PR firm or some or PR in general that strategy fits in is like connecting to more of these nodes, and especially if you can connect with the nodes that have a lot of connections, and then that helps spread the web of, of your influence in the market. And if I'm understanding correctly, it's kind of what media is in a way too. They're like a big influencer, so to speak, uh, you know, in getting your word out and the credibility from a news article or, or press or a news segment or something like that is, is similar to that. So really it's always been influencer marketing right. in a way, right? It, it, it really is. Um, one way, Another form of PR that we do, which um, is a little bit different, is community relations. So this there is that influence element that's similar to, to media and, and influencers. But with, with community relations, a lot of times you're getting directly in front of some of these people. So uh, examples of that would be focusing on very specific um, demographic groups or even industry groups. So it, it could be a community relations program focused geographically on a specific neighborhood or a specific town, but it also could be an industry group or it could be a, a cause focus group. So this past year, we, we did um, a community of relations program for a client um, and worked with the Michael J. Fox Foundation on that. So this oh, yeah. was very directly targeting people who have been impacted and affected by, by Parkinson's disease. So it really can take a lot of different forms. Um, cause marketing most often for us falls under community relations because you're really trying to, to build those relationships. And if you look at the beer industry as a whole, um, you have to be doing community relations these days. That's kind of what the name of the game is. So one way to think about it is how are you using community, community relations for your marketing? 
um, or community relations as marketing. Um, so even when you're doing more traditional things, you put this community layer, this community filter on it so that you're, you're really showing that you care about where you operate, the people in that community and, and giving back and not just, you know, selling beer and being a business. And, and you know, one question I had for you too, and I think this is a question I like to ask everybody, you know, that I have on the show is like, why should, why does this matter? Right. Like, you know, of course, community relations sounds nice. And, you know, I think you and I can understand the value of that intrinsically, but for the brewery owner or really any kind of business owner, it's like, well, what does that mean to my bottom line? What does it mean? Why should I care about building these relationships with people ultimately with these types of people? Uh, what's the value in it for, for them? Yeah, I think quite simply, the, the beer industry is getting more and more competitive. There's what, 9,500 breweries across the country? Yeah, it's like every day I hear the number getting bigger. <laughs> um, and, and more and more what this industry, it started as, as a very, I'll call it co-opetition, where you were competing, but you were also cooperating with a lot of your competitors. We're seeing some of that go away a little bit, just by, by necessity where you have to stand out more as a brewery. So there's not as much of that partnership anymore. Community relations is a way to set yourself apart or even broadening it out to, to PR uh, to look at, at the broader scope of things. It's a way to market, but, but do it authentically. Um, I would also say there, there's a difference that we see between marketing and PR where PR is a way to build a business and marketing is more for maintaining a business. Um, so once you have a brand, PR will help you build that brand. Marketing will help you maintain it, which is why so often what you traditionally think of as marketing items, advertising, um, especially big money advertising, those are big established companies that pour a lot of investment into that, whereas smaller ones are doing PR. And for this purpose, I'll even bucket in organic social media to that conversation. Um, whereas the bigger ones are doing more of the large scale spending with, with paid social advertising programs. Um, everybody does social advertising now, but those, yeah. those companies that are in maintenance mode, I think are spending more there because it's, it's just, um, it's what they have to do. You know, when, when people have heard your name before, if you're Sierra Nevada or new Belgium or, or Allagash, these, these beer names that everyone is familiar with at that moment in time, the more people see or hear that, see your logo, hear your name, um, then it's really leaving a lasting message with them. If, if you're small brewery X that launched two years ago in Oklahoma, Indiana, name a place, um, it's going to take time for you to build a brand. So even if you do flashy advertising, um, let's go to the extreme and say you do a TV commercial. If people see that, it's not going to resonate as much because it's one of the first times they're seeing it as opposed to a Coca-Cola or a Target or something that they're already familiar with, where then it's it's really sort of um, reinforcing what they already know about you as a brand. So I think, uh, you know, from hearing you correctly, what you're saying is that the way that your brand is introduced to someone matters a lot, especially for that first impression. And you know, although advertising can be that vehicle, there are uh, very impactful ways to go about doing that differently. Um, and that kind of answers a question I want to ask you is like, you know, when should you start thinking about PR and when should you fold this in? And I think you'd answer that as like immediately, like right now, even if you're starting business, you should be trying to build these relationships and figuring out ways for you to 
introduce your brand in the right ways to people. Am I right? Absolutely. Is that what you're saying? From from the ver- the very beginning. Now you don't necessarily have to think about um, making a hire or outsourcing to an agency right away, but it's something as a business owner you you need to be thinking about. So if if you're opening in whatever whatever month, let's say December, since this is November, you want to think about introducing it to people. You can't just you know put your sign out and hope that people come in. Some people will see that and, and stop by, but you want to to make a big a big thing of it, make a big event of it. You know, Brewery X is opening on December, whatever. You want local coverage of that. You want people in the craft beer industry to know. You want potential accounts to know about it. Um, so really, from the very beginning, you need to start thinking about doing PR. Um, and then as you grow, then you would invest more in it. What are some ways, you know, since you opened up that topic a little bit, like if someone's opening up or they're trying to get more involved with PR and do some of these things, do you have any uh, ways that somebody could do this on their own uh, and and do some of this reach out? Or is it really, you know, you got to have somebody doing this for you, uh, you know, and if not, you know, what are some examples of ways that they can do this on their own? Yeah, no, I would say from the very beginning, especially as you're you're small and just launching, you can do it on your own and you should do it on your own because your money should go toward other things at, at that point. Um, and the best way to do it is just read the local media that's in your area. Uh, so what are the what are the traditional newspapers? What are the online magazines and the online news sites? Um, look at who's writing about other breweries in your area and then start to build a list of who those people are. So again, if you're going to be opening soon, you have this list, you can contact those people. Um, It's amazing what you can find on Google. You don't need one of the big fancy databases to find email addresses. Um, Oftentimes- Google News Search might do you well. (laughs) Right. Reporters often make theirs available. Sometimes at the bottom of their articles, it'll just have contact this reporter at, uh, and then list their email address. Um, other times you, you can kind of figure it out based on just logical thinking of how email addresses tend to be uh, set up. <laughs> uh, kyork at whatever, kevin.york. Um, it, it's usually pretty simple to, to guess at what those are. But that that's a good, easy way to start to just let those local reporters know about who you are when you're opening, how you're different. Um, as you grow is when you tend to have more and more time needs and time constraints come up. And that's when you would, would want to, to outsource. Um, and what, what tends to happen in the beer industry is you have these big pillar events, uh, a grand opening, an anniversary, an expansion location. Yeah, Those are, I don't, I hesitate to use the word easy, but I'm, I'm going to use it just for relative purposes here. It's relatively easy to get media attention for those. It's in between those peaks where you come into these Valley stages that that's when you really start to want to look at professional help for how do how do we fill in these valleys in between these milestone peaks so that we're not going you know five years in between pieces of coverage um, then you're really able to get more of that consistent drumbeat uh, of coverage appearing and that's when uh, PR professionals can come in and sort of think a little bit differently than you might as a business owner where you'll say oh yeah this this beer that we launched is really not newsworthy but a, a PR person like myself might come in and say, well, wait a minute, what about this aspect of it? This actually is interesting. There's a story in there somewhere, right? Right, right. And as a brewery owner, uh, you tend to get sort of um, insulated because this is your world you're in every day. And it's like, well, that's that's not newsworthy. 
it might not be to you, but what about to the the consumers who are not craft beer enthusiasts and don't they're they're not familiar with uh, an English bitter, let's say, and no one else in your area has introduced one of those. That's an opportunity for you to to stand out. So that's where where we often uh, come in with clients and we start to dig deep and, and surface story ideas that otherwise they might not think are, are really newsworthy at first glance. Now that now that we're talking about this, you know, I was just uh, reading up on some thoughts and and you know listening to your presentation on like creative event ideas for breweries last night actually, and I'm kind of thinking like if you have some forethought in your programming, you know, in in what you're doing in the tap room specifically like community engagement stuff, you know, if you're helping the Boy Scouts raise money or something like that. Like that forethought and thinking that that is you know, like a PR story as well, I think is is something that, that comes to mind. It's like, look, that maybe is a way to go about this too. It's like, can you build programming into your tap room, into your brewery that would be story worthy and juicy for a, a news writer to to be involved in? It, it, would you agree with that or, or am I way up pace? No, I, I think so. And, you know, actually oftentimes those are, there's still story ideas, even if a reporter doesn't bite on them. And that's how you can help sort of build your social media calendar as well, where this might not be newsworthy enough to pitch, but it still is interesting to our followers and we can go a little bit deeper there. Um, But yeah, you're right on where I think, look at those releases, look at some of the partnerships you have in the community and you can almost build a news calendar off of those things. How does this change when you have distribution in the mix versus just your tap room, you know, and some breweries are on the cusp here. They're like, well, we're about to start distributing, or maybe we are distributing now, you know, and we're trying to get more eyes on our beer, get more beer to sell off the shelves. But we also have a tap room that we're trying to run business through. Do you try to embody both in what you're doing PR wise? Do you keep them separate? Is it a mixture? What would you recommend to to a brewery that's doing distribution? How to involve PR? Yeah, it's it's usually a mixture. Um, I I would separate sort of local or in state distribution from out of state distribution because um, when when you distribute out of state, let's say you're a brewery in Massachusetts, uh, the farther you go from Massachusetts the less um, the less a reporter is going to bite on your news because you're not local to them. This, this uh, theory of, of locality is very strong and very true in craft beer. If, if you distribute somewhere in New England um, or you, you're based in New England, but then you start distributing in Florida or Texas or somewhere farther away, um, they don't care about you as much. So the stories that you're, you're telling there don't have this locality. It wouldn't make any sense to pitch a, a reporter in Florida about a, a boys and girls club uh, partnership that you're doing in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really where the community relations play comes in more, where you have to find ways to make yourself local to these other distribution markets. And for those, we really lean on distribution partners to kind of uh, tell us what matters in those areas. Um, so they know you as a brewery, they know your culture, they know what's important to you. How do we bridge that gap and sort of work with you as a distributor and kind of take what worked in our home state and make it work here as well? What kind of partnerships can we look at, whether it's cause, lifestyle, uh, businesses outside of beer, um, but we really can get creative and, and kind of make you a local brand, even if you're not initially. 
No, that's excellent and bit of advice and eye-opening. You know, I think you're right. Like, who cares what you're doing in Massachusetts with their group if I'm in Florida or in a different zone? But if you were doing some kind of partnership with a local organization or with a local tap room or with a distributor, and now I'm kind of seeing the full circle here to what we talked about at the beginning of these distributors kind of being these influencer type relationships. I imagine that's especially true in uh, regional or further out markets where it really aren't your your home base, right? Absolutely. For that reason, but also distributors have big portfolios. So you need to stand out in those. And if it's if it's an InBev house or uh you know a, a Miller Coors house, you're pushed on that much further because those the big boys get the most of their attention. So when you're fighting with all these other craft breweries and some of them are local to that state and you're not that's when you really have to build those those relationships and partnerships with the distribution team. And a, a lot of that is your distribution sales team, but some of it can also be what you're doing on the marketing side to, to get in front of them more and, and make yourself local to their area so that they care about you a little bit more. Then you're able to stand out compared to the, the mass numbers of other beers that they're bringing in from, from outside states um, to compete with, with the in-state portfolio that they have also. Right on. Right on. There's so many things, you know, and I think at some point, you know, it's like, yeah, we could do some of this ourselves, but there's, there's, I see like a line chart, you know, a graph where it's like, all right, there's a point where it's like, all right, we don't have time to do this. We don't have the expertise. We need right. to hand this off and uh, have somebody do this or, or we're not familiar with that area. Let's, let's bring someone on to help out with this stuff. And also what you said about social media being part of your PR arm, you know, I, as a digital marketer, I, I never look at it like that. Admittedly, I'm like, oh yeah, it's like, it's an advertising channel. <laughs> so I look at it like, it's an advertising channel, it's push out promos, but you know, it's like, it is a PR arm in many ways, especially nowadays where, you know, you get stuff shared, you have this really good piece of content that goes out about some community thing you did that is, uh, you know, Fighting that's where the ground troops are at with PR in a lot of ways, I think. So thank you for bringing that up for sure. Yeah, sure. And, and I, I come from, I, I guess it's now, which is sad to say, but more of the, the old school social media realm. Um, I, I was on, um, there was a, a small three or four person team that worked with, um, and this was before I got into beer years ago, um, worked with PlayStation on their first blog and their first social media program. Wow. And in, those, in those days, that was before, you know, advertising on social media was even an option. So you had to go and really the, the, this is why social media was launched to build relationships online. So everything at that point was relationship focused. You know, we want to build these relationships so that these people talk about us and like drive engagement up, drive comments up. Um, it, it since, like you said, has really changed to where a lot of people look at it just as it's an advertising channel. Um, yeah. but I, I, I still like to look at it as the engagement channel. You have, you have to balance them because the advertising will get you the broader reach. But if you can use your social media channels to really cultivate um, fans to where they're advocates for your brand, that can be powerful. And when we look at engagement stats on posts, you know, I look at them every single month. The stuff that does the best is like the very like community driven localize like this is who we are as humans you know right. these are our bartenders and this is our owners like 
I've had owners share pictures of their babies on their social media. And it's like, that stuff crushes it out no. there, no. dominates. You, you couldn't pay for that. Yeah, well, you could, but it would cost you money to get that kind of reach when you're just getting it organically sharing stories. So right. I think you're right there for sure. Um, yeah, I have to ask, you know, you've, you've had a, a, a great career. You're clearly a professional here. Um, you've obviously seen some really big PR wins, but I imagine you've seen some, some PR losses too, or things haven't gone accordingly. And as business owners, we got to learn from both of these things. So I'm, I'm going to ask you, can you share, you know, an example of like a really cool PR win and also a loss and maybe talk about what you learned from those? Yeah, I, I think the best examples that I have are actually um, from my, my pre-beer days. Um, so I'll, sure. I'll share those. Um, there there yeah, are some cool. ones that I can mention too, but I think the, the best win was actually when I was working with um, with PlayStation. Um, and this this was kind of a joint uh, social media. Actually, this one leaned more toward, toward media because we were targeting reporters. So um, they had launched, I can't remember the name now. I want to say it's like Game Developers Network, but it, it was this program that was uh, geared toward independent game developers um, who at the time it was harder to break in on the PlayStation network um, and and really get noticed. So they set this specific program initiative up to target these people. And there were several games that were all launched at the same time. And um, during a big gaming conference where we knew all the, the gaming media would be in San Francisco for this, we rented a trolley, and had um, space at several bars throughout the city where these different games were showcased. And we took reporters on this trolley from bar to bar and spent half an hour or so. We we couldn't take up too much of their time, but letting them play these games and meet the actual developer at each of these bars. And there was food and drink at each one, uh, you know, kind of make it a nice. Nice. But um, that was really successful. I, I remember we got a lot of good coverage out of that because it had both the content that they wanted, but also the experiential aspect of it, where you're in San Francisco, you get this trolley ride, you're visiting all these bars that uh, we obviously picked cool locations where they otherwise may not have, have been able to go during their short time there. Um, but that that was really, really successful. Um, That's cool, man. It's a little bit of, uh, you know, I live in Vegas, it's a little bit of Vegas smooths in there, you know, get into the cool spots and yeah. giving them a good time and, you know, greasing the wheel to get some, get some totally. juice out of them. That's, that's smart, man. I like it. Um, a, a smaller scale one, and this is from beer. Uh, this is from about five years ago, kind of the early influencer relations days. Um where you know every, every brewery was trying to appeal to these online influencers, um, sending free beer, inviting them to events. Um, we decided to take a little bit of a different route with a client where uh, in, in these early days, most of them were not great photographers, but all of them were trying to be. Um, so Insta- Instagram, Facebook were the big ones that they were using. Okay. Uh, we decided to hold an event to bring them to this client's brewery and have a professional photographer there who could just give simple tips and tricks. Um, again, this this was before court, sort of the current technology and iPhones where anybody, even someone who's who's uh, not a great photographer like myself can have something that looks halfway decent. Portrait mode, man, dominates. <laughs> yeah. So pre, pre-portrait mode days, uh, we had this professional photographer just give easy tips and tricks. If you're outside, think about this. If you're inside, if the lighting's this way, if the lighting's this way, um, 
really showing them that, you know, we care about you and what you're trying to build, this craft that you're trying to build, um, and we want to invest in you. So did this little session for about half an hour and then gave them free reign of the brewery. Go take pictures of whatever you want. If you need beers to photograph, we'll give you beers to photograph. Just use the time to kind of practice what you just learned from this. Um, and this goes along with, with really the premise that we take to all of our influencer engagements, which is we never directly ask for anything. We're, we're trying to build a relationship. So we feel like we can never ask directly for it. The, the point is not a quid pro, pro quo type relationship. It's, you know, getting to know them, getting them to like the brewery. Um, and this very much fell along those lines and they got some great influencer coverage and then engagement on that influencer coverage coming out of it. Um, so those, that's those brave, amazing. man. You know, I, I've dealt with influences a few times and it is very much so quid pro quo situation where it's like, oh, I need you to post this one thing on this feed. And they're like, well, I'm going to post it and delete it in two days. And that's just the deal that we're going to have. Uh, but brave of you to uh, be like, yeah, you know, we're just going to give you stuff. And then, you know, you're going to do stuff for us, hopefully. Um, and we're just going to build a good relationship. But obviously it panned out. So fortune uh, favors the bold man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's generally gone pretty well uh, with us taking that approach. Now, it doesn't work with macro level influencers. They They want the payment. But I would say most mid-level and, and definitely the micro-influencers that we've worked with um, has gone a long way. And it, it really has made them, um, I don't know if I would use the term advocates exactly, but they they support these breweries and, and they want to kind of do right by them. So more often than not, they will post content about their experience, whatever it was. Right on. Right on, man. I, I'm fascinated by the influencer marketing stuff too. Any bombs out there? Can you share some uh, some total misses? You know, if you're brave, I think you're brave. You if, did the influencer thing. Where, where's a where's a bomb? Share it with us, man. Um, yeah. So so this is a good example of um, sort of on the on the client side working well with a PR agency. So there there was a, a bed and breakfast that this was probably six or seven years ago. This The agency's eight years old, and this was one of the, the first um, attempts that I made to get a client. So there, there was a bed and breakfast that had this big uh, catastrophe with a, a couple that were getting married there. That uh, And this made the news. You, you might remember this. Um, that They basically treated the couple very poorly, sort of... Um, removed some of the the agreements that they had made with them and ruined their entire wedding and that the couple went public with it and they started getting a lot of of negative press um i had done some crisis communications in the past um and you know this was at a point where i was just trying to build the agency reached out to them and said you know if i'm sure you have a side to this uh if you want help sort of getting your side out there let's talk um they ended up replying to me and I, I talked to the owner um, in, in, in crises. I'm always of the mindset. We need to act now. So I don't spend a lot of time on contracts. And this was me being a dumb, stupid early uh, agency process owner where I sent the contract and we started working before I got the contract signed. He never ended up signing the contract. Um, so we never got paid for this, but it didn't really work out for him anyway, because he, he wasn't honest with us about what the situation was. So we came up with a response, drafting things from his point of view, 
um, it, it very much made sense in the moment where there were there was a rationale for what happened happening. After that was published by a lot of the news organizations, there started to be comments from not just the couple, but other people who were at the wedding and come to find out the information that he gave us was completely oh, no. So at that point, he just dug himself deeper. And I went back to him and, and I said, you've got to be honest with me. Like, we can <laughs> yeah. help you salvage this somehow if you're honest with us from the beginning. But at, at this point, you're just digging yourself deeper. Um, and it was at that point that he just stopped communication and, and um, we never got paid for that engagement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, e- even in moments of crises, we've, um, we've made clients sign contracts before we start working with them. Um, so a couple of good lessons from there. Make sure you have a contract signed and uh, also uh, make sure you're working with somebody who's going to tell you the truth and be honest with you. <laughs> and, and, and after that, we, um, we have a little bit of a checklist that we put in place for, for clients that we would work with where we wanted to know a little bit more about them at, at the onset. You learn a lot from your mistakes and the failures. And uh, that's, that's why I asked you to share that. So thanks for that. But on to happier things though, what's going on with, with you guys, your agency's doing some cool stuff. Have you got a conference coming up too? Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Yeah. So in, in March of 2023, we're doing a, a conference that we're calling Beer Amplified. So it's a marketing conference specifically for breweries. Um, over the past six years, we, we've spent a lot of uh, focus on breweries. It's become the base of our agency, our, our client base. And what we kept hearing from both clients and just non-clients, uh, people that we, we made relationships with in the, in the industry is, there's no professional development opportunities for marketers that work at breweries. Most are geared toward people on the production side who actually make the beer. Um, there's a little bit for, for front of house with like hospitality, but for marketers, um, there's not a lot out there. And what is out there, I, I know CBC has a track, um, but it's bundled with sales and with distribution. So it's diluted a little bit. Um, there was also an, an old marketing conference that was around for four or five years um, that I, I actually spoke at for a, a couple of years. Um, it tended to be too basic. And the CBC track we've, we've heard from, from everybody is, is also too basic for what most of them want. It might be good for a brewery just starting out. Um, but if, if you're talking the larger breweries, uh, the Allagashes of the world, the Cigar Cities, the Rheingeist, um, they want something more advanced. Uh, also, they want to hear from people who are not in the beer industry. So what, what we've heard from them, um, when we initially had this idea, we put together an advisory board, um, selected beer marketing leaders from around the country, different size organizations. And what all of them said was, I don't want to hear what my peers are doing. I want to hear what people outside of beer are doing in marketing, because I feel like I can learn more from that take those learnings, take those insights, and really think about how I can apply them to my brewery and do something not necessarily similar, but that might give us uh, similar results, um, or we could take a similar approach. Um, so that that's what we're trying to do with, with this conference. Um, so we're looking at for speakers from outside the marketing industry. Um, the CMO of the Boston Red Sox is the keynote speaker, um, Adam Grossman. Nice. He has a lot of a lot of cool learnings that I think he'll share that would be relevant to to people in the beer industry. Um, someone from Lyft is going to talk about um, analytics. We've got uh, quite a few people on the agency side who've worked with companies like Carhartt, Public Supermarkets, American, American Express, Hyatt, um, 
So I think it's a good group that we've put together on the speaking side. Uh, we're also going to have roundtables where uh, brewery marketers can speak with each other. Um, and and this, this idea came up during our advisory board meetings where we had six or so people from different breweries that had never talked to each other. And this, this initially was just to get um, ideas on session content. And then we saw they're really enjoying talking with each other. So while they don't necessarily want to have someone from another brewery speak at them during a session, there is a desire to, to sort of talk with and learn from each other. So on the registration, we're asking people, um, what's the size of your brewery by barrelage and then where are you located? So we can put these smaller groups together and hopefully ensure that it's not people that you already know from your area. So we'll have somebody from South Carolina with somebody from like Oregon and Texas and North Dakota um, to kind of, of mix and match and, and form these groups um, uh, as, as well as similar size breweries. So um, they can talk about social media. They can talk about events. We're going to have um, sessions lined up for, for specific marketing functions that they can discuss. Man, I love this concept, man, especially with what we were talking about in the beginning of the call with the industry getting more competitive, looking out of your, you know, you know, industry, normal kind of stuff, you know, what other breweries are doing and seeing what other businesses are doing, especially other growing and mid-size companies and what, because there's so many cool things that happen with marketing. And part of when I got involved, it was like, well, there's like all this really gangster technology and automations and demand side buying immediate there's all these really cool things that you can do that the beer industry is just not doing yet it's almost like it's a little bit behind so looking outside of the industry and seeing what others are doing is such a cool way to go about it. i think it's only going to evolve the industry even more so props to you guys for putting this together it's called uh say the name again and where can people go to to learn more information Beer Amplified. So if you go to www.beeramplified.com, there's a site there with um, uh, pretty much everything I just talked about. And then the registration and a, a little bit further info on who the speakers are. Um, and we're, we're continually adding them uh, by, by day. So it's just going to get built out a lot more. But yeah, we're, we're really excited about it. To your point, I think the beer industry does lag behind a lot of others in marketing. So hopefully this this gives ideas, even if they're not ready for it yet. Um, that was one of the other things that came up on the, the advisory call with our, our board. Like they said, oh, well, we want to hear about some of these things like VR, AR, metaverse. Even if we're not ready now, I want to hear what's going on. What do I need to know? And when should I start thinking about it? So um, we actually have a, a couple of pretty good sessions on on some of uh, what I would call future technologies like that to, to dive Man, into. this is a real marketing conference, dude. This sounds awesome. Uh, it, it, when it, is it? It's in March, I think you, you said, right? Is that correct? March 27th and 28th. Um, I'm, I'm glad you, you used that term, real marketing conference, because that's really what we're trying to, to stress with people. Because I think a lot of people are coming at it thinking like traditional beer conferences, and for me, it's like, no, no, this is something totally different. You haven't seen this in beer before. You should be looking more at like content marketing world um, is a, a competitor to this more than like CBC or a, a beer focused conference, because we're, we're going outside of beer to deliver the same type of content that you would get at one of these big, you know, mega marketing conferences. But um, this is beer. So we're, we're trying to keep it more affordable for people knowing that, that most breweries nice. don't have a ton of cash to work with for something like this. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I think the industry is going to be, uh, better off because of it. And, 
Um, I'll make sure to put links in the show notes for that. And uh, I might even have a few uh, speakers for you to, to send your way too. some cool, some cool dudes that are doing some interesting things in the marketing world. Um, I asked this of everybody. I got to, you know, ask it of you too. You know, you're obviously into craft beer and craft beverage. I mean, what are you reaching for these days? It's turning into fall. Well, it is fall now. So huh. let us know what, what's your go-to these days. Uh, I tend to be a lager guy. So um, this, this time of year, I'm, I'm definitely into the lagers. Um, you know, uh, Oktoberfest, Vienna lagers, that type of stuff. Um, lately, I would say over the past nine months, I don't know why, but I've gotten on this kick of British beer styles. I think it's just because you don't see them very often, but I'm starting to see them more now with like ESBs, even British style IPAs. Um, and I, I think part of that is just, um, it seems new because we haven't seen those in so long and everything gets, uh, so hazy in the beer industry with, with juicy IPAs. And, yeah. um, I, I often find myself with a little bit of, of palate fatigue toward those where I just want something a little bit different because they're so readily available now. Um, those have almost become the entry point for beer now where people yeah. are exposed through, hazy ipas and then they start to learn about some of the other styles but yeah when i when i see an esb on a menu i tend to go for that i had my first esb this year man i thought it was amazing i was like this is such a, a cool beer and i agree with you on the hazy side man i i went on a hazy kick this this summer i know my hazy bro i'm like I'm like yeah whatever but i loved him i drank so many of them but you know, by like, I don't know, September, I was like, I can't do another. <laughs> like, don't even give it to me. I want something totally different. So now I'm uh, I'm going for the dark stuff. Too. I think I'll be into quarters this year. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll see what I try. But uh, I like to build those hazy breaks in because then when I do start to go back, I feel like I appreciate them more after not having had them for. Yeah, once it starts the, the season turns, I'll probably be back on it, you know, uh, so. Yeah, yeah, seasonality is still alive in beer. The, despite what you what you've read in the media um it's definitely Deep still- seasonality alive it's like what's so <laughs> cool about it i think uh, right on kevin dude you have been extremely uh informative this conversation was enlightening uh i appreciate your time very much so and i know our, our listeners will too do you have any other last comments or things you want to want to say before we wrap it up here and get you back to your day uh I don't think so. I think we covered quite a bit and hope, hopefully this has been helpful to your listeners. Um, hopefully some people check out Beer Amplified and, and uh, I get to meet some of the listeners in person if, if they come to that. So Yeah, say what's up. Say you heard us. Uh, that would make everyone, especially yeah. me, feel <laughs> good. Uh, all right, Kevin, I appreciate it, man. Have a good day. Thank you. Thanks. You too. Take care.